Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pursuit of Relentless podcast, where we are going to tell you a whole bunch of awesome stories today. I've got a gentleman today by the name of Roy Osing with me, and I'm so blessed to have him. I haven't necessarily heard his entire story, but I'm excited to hear how everything came about. We met through Podmatch, and he wrote a book called Be Different or Be Dead, and I can't wait to hear about that because seriously, I believe that being unique is everything and just standing up for who you are and who you want to become is so empowering. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, let's hear your story, Roy. Well, first of all, thanks a lot for having me. I'm, I'm grateful to have an opportunity to talk to audiences actually literally all over the world now. It's just amazing to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and kind of kind of do what I guess my overall goal is these days, which is to try and change the conversation that's going on out there about how to be successful, how to have a rewarding career, how to to have a rewarding life, how to have a a rewarding business that satisfies employees and owners. Yeah. And, And some people would say, well, you know, what are you trying to do? Sell books? I go, no, not really. I mean, yeah, if we can sell books, that's fine. I consider the book a handout of the journey that that I think we all need to make. Certainly I've been on, which is all about exactly what you just said about how to how to achieve a, a unique, special place uh, in the world, whether your world is a business, whether your world is a career, whether your world is a grandfather, which is what I am, and 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 pride myself in the fact that. I've had an awful great opportunity to do a lot of things. And so I'm a practitioner. I'm not a theoretician. Okay. I'm, I'm not a textbook dude. Uh, and we can talk a lot about my views of textbooks, which are probably completely different than a lot of people, but I'm, a, <laughs> but I'm a practical person and I've learned a lot. And what I try and do is, is explain to people the simple practical ways you can be unique you can stand out from the herd and achieve recognition and achieve the, the sort of life that, that, that you want. The problem is, is that the herd and the crowd is a very comfortable place to be, yep. right? It's warm, it's cozy, there's no conflict there. I mean, everybody has, is singular, singular in terms of, of, of how they think, et cetera. I mean, all those, all those adjectives, quite frankly, that I find completely repugnant exists in the herd. And so if you want to be average, if you want to be kind of like boring and blending, that's where you want to be. So my story, my story is all about at a very young age, figuring out that um, being different uh, was absolutely critical to the business that I had an opportunity to be in at the time. And it was going through intense change. Um, and that being different was the key. You know, I talk a lot about there's no silver bullets in being successful. And it occurred to me today, this morning, as I was thinking about our conversation, that yes, there is. And I've been sitting on it the whole time. And mm-hmm. it is this whole notion about being different. That is the silver bullet. Okay. That is the essential gem of advice that I would like to give people. And there's a way to pursue it. There's a way to do it. And it's not found in blue ocean textbooks. It's found in the trenches, you know, where people live and fight competitors every day to be successful. And so what I'm trying, that's what I'm trying to do is just have a conversation, talk to people about the insane weird things that I did in my life as a business person that, that not only caught attention, got me into a whole lot of trouble. Oh no. Well, it's because it, it's because I was I was so different from the mainstream. Yeah, like uh, I get all sorts of blowback all the time. People say that I'm, you know, doing bad things, and I'm like, no, you just don't understand what I'm trying to accomplish. You know, like I'm I'm Elena, the super tall girl. Like I don't look ginormous until people stand beside me, and then they make fun of me. And I'm like, guess what? I don't care. <laughs> good i don't care if you make fun of me i don't care if you're um feeling inferior because i'm taller than you you know like it's it's something that i can't change you know but it makes me unique and it's actually a really good sales technique to go hey i'm elena the super tall girl because if i introduce myself like that 
you're going to remember who I am. Well, it also takes away any discomfort that somebody may have with your physical presence. I mean, so yeah. you're not, you're not, we don't try and dominate people with our ideas. No. What we try and do is get their attention mm -hmm. and at least earn the right in the moment to convince them that there's a whole lot of goodness in the ideas. And hopefully, you know, this is what I say to people all the time. You know, I'm not, a, I don't, I don't like to prescribe but because I have no right to prescribe what's right for you, right? right? However, what I can do is I can share with you a whole bunch of stuff that worked for me. And if it worked for me, being this, this crazy Norwegian dude, if it can work for me, because my grandfather was Norwegian, uh, if it can work for me, it can work for anybody because it's wow. that simple. And we can, we can get into that. But life is not, especially from a business point of view, we, it's, it, people try to complicate it. And unfortunately, the pundits and the consultants make a whole lot of money out of, out of complicating things that really aren't that complicated. I mean, when you break down a business, okay, it's all about human beings dealing with human beings, notwithstanding the fact that, that you know, some people will tell you that, no, it's not, Roy, you don't understand technology. And I'd say, yeah, I do understand technology. That's why it's about humans, because right. who works on technology, right? Humans. So if you break it down that way, um, is what I did when I looked at, at what kind of a leader do I want to become? So the entrepreneurial thing for me is different than most people. Like when you think about entrepreneur, you think about the, the startup dude that is fighting for capital, blah, 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 blah. For me, it, it looked really different because I was sitting in the middle of a huge telephone company that was a monopoly about yeah. to go through intense change, right? The world, as we knew it, was going to be turned upside down. We were going to have a whole lot of competitors. Technology was changing because at that point in time, the internet was just beginning and we thought one and a half megabits was super fast, right? <laughs> and so for me, I was given the challenge of actually building a data and internet business in a voice world. So my entrepreneurial achievements were all about how the hell to do that in a 20,000 person organization okay, that had values and culture buried in the past. And yeah. it was a big ship to turn. Okay. I got to tell you, it, to me, and that was hugely challenging. And, and we had to come up with things that were unheard of, things that were audacious, because that's the only way we could actually make some progress. Wow. So I, and what I try and do with that now is I try to do and go back to the individual right, who has a brilliant idea and wants to make a million dollars at it and show them how my stuff applies to them. Because at first they say, no, it doesn't. And I go, yeah, you, you really need to think about this a little more, right? What Roy has done applies way more than you think to you. And by the way, if you want to become 50% of the startups that die within 30, uh, 36 months, then don't listen to me. Because there's some real, real lessons in here that is kind of like another agenda item that I have because young people don't have the experience. They may have a brilliant idea, but they don't have the experience. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to see the brilliant or what I call the brave idea die on the vine for them. It doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. And so there's a whole other sort of side of it that I get into. Um, but it takes me a while for people to realize that what we were able to do in, in, in the day to actually take a young nucleus of a data and internet business and build it into a billion in annual revenue represents true entrepreneurship. Yeah. And anybody that says there's no risks involved, Roy, you don't understand it, clearly are quite frankly, quite stupid. Yep. And you never want to listen to those people. And so that whole part of the journey has been just like, I mean, rich for me. I mean, I just eat it up. I love that stuff. I love the challenge of somebody saying, well, you don't understand because you worked in a telephone company. <laughs> yeah all right no, it's so crazy like yeah the guy so sit who, back and let's have that conversation right the guy who recruited me to my company spent 25 years working for a telecommunication company up here in Canada and he said the second that he met the company I'm with now it was life-changing because the way that we run our business is unlike anything I've ever seen and it's not that it's just like so different no, it's all the stuff that these companies are doing wrong. They've fixed it, <laughs> you know, like 
like not being able to get promoted because there's only one position for CEO. They've eliminated that. Not being able to make a bunch of money because your boss is always going to make more money than you. They've eliminated that. You know, being able to scale and still like build an agency and stuff like that. They've been able to figure that stuff out. And all of it is built on doing the right thing. And I, it's just so simple. It's so simple. We build our business on referrals, you know, and I feel like when you do things the right way, you will, <laughs> now it's all sunny, you will have the yeah. right people come into your life and you'll have these individuals that will teach you these things if you're open to learning it. Well, funny, I don't know if you realize, I'm in Vancouver, so we can talk about tell us all we want, you know, because, you know, that's, I left, um, I left my real job as the chief marketing officer and president of the data company working in TELUS. And prior to that was BCTEL. So yeah, I, I get Alberta because we had, I had an office in, in Edmonton in Calgary and just a great spot. I got, I got a view of the mountains from my Calgary office. Nice. It was absolutely wonderful. I'm actually but, from Pell River. Are you really? I am. Yeah. I'm from okay. Pell River, BC. So I'm only a couple hours from Vancouver. There you go. There you mm -hmm. go. Kindred spirits. But you're right, there's some fundamentals. And again, this is part, this is part of the mystification that is overtly uh, uh, sought after by a lot of people. They try and make it complicated. And yes. the reason they do that is to sell, to push what they are trying to sell, yes. as opposed to solving the real problem. You know, well, in, 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 my, in my experience, like I had to do things like, how the heck do we move the culture of this business from a voice culture that was used to, you know, local telephone service and, and long distance service. How do we move that culture and engineering dominated? How do we move that into a data and internet world with hungry competitors who had an advantage over mm -hmm. us because they weren't regulated and we were, I mean, that was a huge piece. How, how do we morph, right? The influence of engineering. Okay. In favor of marketing. That's not to say that, that the engineering piece wasn't important, but it is to say you don't get loyal customers by getting the engineering right. right. You have to have a good network, but that's not what does it, right? right. It's this whole other. So all of those, those kinds of like required changes were so important. And, and, and we just struggled through that. I mean, there was no book. I ended up inventing my own planning process. I invented my own customer service strategy, my own my own leadership approach uh, out of necessity in terms of what was required to make the business successful and everybody else in the organization have a rewarding future. Boom, that was it. And, you know, so, so creating stuff that is new as opposed to copying what others do, which in my world is a, is a huge piece of, we could do a whole show on Oh, yeah. on how I feel about benchmarking and best practices, which is, which is ridiculous. You can't create by copying people and yet intellectually dishonest people will claim that that's true, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you going to do that's new? Well, let's find, let's go to Google and let's find out how other people do it. That's creative. And then you try and copy it. Really? That's creative. I used to get, I used to kick people out of my office that even mentioned the word benchmarking or best practices. I just kick them out. Say, so, you know what, clearly you're not trying to be creative. Do you know what the biggest source of creativity is? Not knowing anything. Yes. And being not open to learning. knowing anything about how to solve the problem that you got. Because if you knew how to solve it, that's, that's kind of dull, right? You don't have to be creative to solve a problem that you already know the solution for. You know what my biggest thing with my team is? I just asked them what they would do. I'm like, what would you do? <laughs> you know, because they're the ones that are going through the struggles and they're the ones that are having these hardships and stuff. And I'm like, well, what would you do? Because I don't want to make a decision that's going to harm my people, right? I want to make a decision that's going to help them build their leadership abilities and their confidence. Well, yeah. and the reality is that execution of anything, implementation of anything is a function of the people actually doing it, not, yeah. not a function of the people saying what should be done. And it gets down to, I mean, I spent probably 50% of my days or my weeks with frontline people, customer service reps, operator services reps, sales reps, marketing analysts, the people right at the, at the, in the trenches 
who are actually doing the work. And I, and I would say to them, very simple, and this is my source of what, what is commonly called today servant leadership. I don't call it that. I call it how can I help leadership because that's what I did. Yeah. I just said, how can I help? Tell me what's going on. Tell me what's going on. And, and so I spent an awful lot of time doing that. And I think in retrospect, it was a big reason why we were successful because getting to a billion in sales doesn't happen when you're not executing well. No, never. Right? I mean, regardless of what a lot of people say, people would say to me, Roy, that the plan isn't, isn't precise enough. And I'd say, oh yeah, it is. I mean, it's just about right. And we're not going to get any better than that, but what we're going to do is we're going to start executing on it and we'll change it on the run. So I call it planning on the run. Drives people crazy, right? Oh, how can like planning on the run? On the run planning? What is that? It's just another way of saying you execute first, you plan second. Because the planning process is never, ever um, perfect. And it's not, it's not, it's not uh, resilient enough. And it's not resilient enough because the day that you put the plan to bed, the world changes and makes part of it irrelevant. Right. Okay. Well, if that's the case, my logic was I'm going to go easy on the plan and I'm going to go full in on execution. Hmm. How do you execute? Well, okay. In comes frontline human beings because they touch customers. They create loyalty. They do all this stuff. That's what I did. You know, servant leadership. I, I call it. How can I help leadership? And leadership by by or uh, leading by 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 serving around, mm-hmm. as opposed to anything else. I and, love that. Uh, I love that. I just interviewed Howard Bihar, uh, and he took Starbucks Coffee Company from twenty five stores to fifteen thousand for yep. twenty eight. Maybe it was twenty eight stores. You don't hold me to that, but um, go listen to the podcast. But he talked about servant leadership being the number one priority and it's not that you're sitting there going yes i will do whatever you want yes no no it's saying i will listen to your ideas i will give you an opportunity to share um, what you think we should be doing and then people know that it's their idea and then they'll actually execute on it and i was like that is genius yeah yeah i mean there's there's a whole bunch of different model i mean i read I read uh, the other day, I was, I can't remember what I was doing, but I, I Googled servant leadership and what came up top of the page was, was a description that, that talked about um, leaders. Well, it described it as a style of leadership. Okay. Where talking to people was the way to power, not commanding them. Uh And I thought that is the most ridiculous bloody thing I've ever heard in my life. Servant leadership is not a leadership style. Okay, in my view, I viewed how can I help as a strategic question to figure out how I can do a better job executing the game plan of the organization. Uh And this is where I differ from a lot of people who talk about subjects like that. Everything that I ever did was directly related to driving home the, 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 uh, the strategy of the organization. Right. It was. It, it had nothing to do with trying to do fancy stuff or cool stuff. If it didn't relate to driving out results, okay, and then maybe that's one of the. That is, in my view, one of the big reasons we got to a billion in sales. If if it didn't relate to that, I wouldn't do it. Right. So the the how can I help piece? Well, that question wasn't a general question for me. Right. It, it's it wasn't. It was basically related to how can I help you execute your piece of the puzzle easier and better, which is what you want to do anyway. How can I help doing that? It wasn't give me a bunch of ideas on, on how to, how we can, any new products that we can offer. No, no, that, that's not what I was asking. I mean, they would tell me after a while when I earned their trust, but it was much more specific. So I'm talking to a salesperson. I'm saying, how can I help you develop relationships with clients better right tell me what's in the way and i'll i'll fix it right tell me the stupid rules and policies we have in this organization is preventing you from doing it i call them dumb rules all into my book right and man they would tell me okay so i channeled the conversation elena i did not open end it it was totally deliberate on point focused with a specific outcome in mind Uh, and that's different than a lot of people a lot of people would walk around their organization saying how are you? Any, any new ideas? No. 
No, I mean, I'm interested in new ideas that are that we need to pursue if the if if the current ones are in the way of you executing the game plan not the way you should. Mm -hmm. So I was really, really focused. That's one of the issues of leaders today, quite frankly, is they're not focused, right? They're not focused on that one thing, that singular outcome, which is performance driven. How can I meet and beat the strat plan? Okay, with all of the uncertainties and all the all of the uh, random events, right? And all the politics and personal biases of people. How can, it's a messy world. How can I cut through that world and get the job done? And that's the source of be different or be dead. It is all about that. It's not about cool things. It ends up to be the ideas are cool, but they're also relevant. Mm -hmm. And to have one without the other, in my view, is, is a bit of a problem. I don't subscribe to that notion at all. No, I agree 100%. I think that when people will get on the floor and be the one to go, I'm gonna work with you, you know, instead of just going, rah, 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 this is right what on. you need to do. When yeah. you're actually willing to go and go pack the boxes at your store or sweep the floor or, you know, clean the bathroom, that's the leader that you want, guys. Like that's the person that you wanna become because people will know that they can come to you with their, their frustrations or their problems or what they see wrong. So you correct them. And then you can down the road fix the culture and focus on that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, and so serving is, I always used to, to look at it as an amazing coaching opportunity. See, I'm, I'm one of those guys that, that doesn't believe in delegation for the sake of delegation. Like, right. so I'm completely anti-textbook in that regard. Like there are certain things that you need to delegate, but you never delegate, guess what? You never delegate the key um, actions required to execute on your plan ever. You don't, though you own them as a leader, right? And so I, I would I would architect the customer moment is what I call it. You know, which, if we want to develop, we want to dazzle the socks off customers and we want to create loyalty. Uh, what does that moment look like? What are the behaviors that are necessary uh, from the company's point of view and contact employees, what are, what are the behaviors necessary that will allow that? And so I personally was involved in architecting what that looked like. Now I was unique in that regard because most people delegated it. They delegated to you know, all their managers and customer service. Well, you know, I'm not saying those people in customer service, those managers weren't intelligent, but they weren't me. Right. Nor were they nor were they accountable to the CEO and the board of directors for the results. Right. It was me. So I call it do-it-yourself leadership. And I did a lot myself. And guess what happened after a while? The people who respect. <laughs> and people in my organization recognized what we were doing and they said, you know what, that's right. And maybe, maybe we're maybe we're just like laying off too much stuff to other people. Because you know what, sooner or later, if you keep doing that, it becomes abdication. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. You can delegate your way into abdication real easily if you, don't, if you don't watch out for it. And so I would say we need to put, as leaders, our fingerprints on certain parts of our business and certain parts of our operations. It needs to be us. It can't be anybody else. And, and the, the absolutely amazing part of it is when you start doing it and, it and people see the success, you never get criticized for the fact that you don't delegate certain things because people see the results, right? And they're amazed with the results and they're excited by it. The fires are lit by them by doing that. And then you go, aha, okay, now I got them. Now, now I'm going to move on to something else. So <laughs> in sequence, you just kind of knock these things down and just keep going, you know? So. So what led to you going, all right, I got to write a book about this? Well, you know, the first book I wrote, well, first of all, I left um, my real job in uh, 2002. It was quite a while ago as a very young person, younger anyways. Um, and because um, I was, yeah, I, I was just ready to, to move on. It was way too much travel and and we had a CEO that we we hired from the UK, wonderful young man uh, who was <laughs> working me way too hard. <laughs> I decided to leave, uh, and I was fine for a while. I my wife and I played and we traveled, and, and one day, 
I, I said, you know, got to do something else. And she, uh -huh. so she says, well, why don't you just go talk to people about your stuff is the way she described it. Go talk to them about leadership and customer, all of, just the stuff that you love. And I said, I am, that'd be a great idea, but I'm not so sure I can remember all the content, you see, because I didn't, you know, a lot of it's just here and here and whatever. Yeah. So I sat down and I started banging out in those days, PowerPoint slides, right? Well, I banged out, I mean, about 500 PowerPoint yeah. slides on my stuff. And um, I said, okay, I can do that. So I started going around pro bono talking to chambers of commerce, just anybody who would listen. And it was, I had varying titles for the presentation. So I'd talk about marketing, I'd talk about it. And I would talk about this one subject it was called be different or be dead. And it was about differentiation, right? And it was that one that people found really, really, really enjoyable. They love the title. They love the contents, which is what we're, we're talking about now, but it goes a lot further. And so they would say to me, could I get a copy of your presentation? And I would say, no, I won't give you a copy of my person. And so, and so after a while, they would say to me, well, if you're, Roy, if you're not going to give me a copy of the presentation, why don't you write a book on it? Mm -hmm. And that was really, and I go, whoa, okay, never thought about that because I'm, I'm a business person who knows how to communicate. I'm not a an author. I'm not a, a you know, professional speaker. I'm a guy that knows how to do things, but I can communicate and do all that as a second thing. So I thought I can do this. So I, I wrote the first book in 2009 called Be Different or Be Dead, Your Business Survival Guide. And that was at a time where the economies were in a lot of trouble and businesses were struggling. Yeah. So I, I tended to sort of slant my stuff towards business survival. You can't survive unless you're different. If you're the same, uh, I would say, you know, be different or be dead. If you're not different, you're dead. And then in brackets or soon will be that kind of stuff. So we had a lot of fun with that. And I published it and we went into second edition and, and it was fun. I got a lot of opportunity to spread the word. And then after that, I decided to take uh, slices of the book and, and write ebooks. So I wrote about another five ebooks on it. Cool. Which, bring, which brings me to like last year, I thought, okay, um, I'm still not happy with what I'm seeing in the world in terms of people's ability to differentiate themselves. I'm seeing, I'm seeing organizations continuing in their value propositions to talk about we are the best at, we are better than, we are the number one, we're a market leader. And I call that claptrap because it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. I thought, damn, I got to get back into this game. So I said, okay, I'm going back. I'm going to write another book. Uh, but it's not going to be ebook. It's going to be an updated version of the old nine book. And so I wrote it. Um, I got Morgan James out of New York to to, uh, to agree to 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 publish it, and they're freaking amazing. Uh, the ebook is out now. The the printed version will be out May the thirty first. But what I struggled with is I struggled with the subtitle. Like they all come underneath the be different or be dead. Uh, okay. The first one was your business survival guide. I thought, what the hell am I going to call this one? I got to come up with something that's just really, really powerful. So I was talking with David Hancock, the, the CEO at the time in, in, at Morgan James about this. He said, well, okay, let's just, let's just talk about what you've done, your, your past and that. So I took him through the data company and all that kind of stuff and, and the fact that we were fortunate enough to build it to a business that was worth a billion in annual revenue, he goes, Roy, seriously, that's it. That's your subtitle. And I said, what do you mean? He says, we, you got to title it somehow around the fact that, that you were associated with a billion dollars. I said, oh, you know, should I really do that? It seems a little arrogant. And he said, yeah. <laughs> This, that's what sometimes you gotta be. <laughs> sometimes I you know. have to show them because people I, don't value your information unless you go, "Hey, look what I done." You uh, know. So, so, so that led to the, the notion, and then I've discovered this great, um, great website that specializes in how to write powerful headlines because I use it in my blogs all the time. So there's an algorithm about how to write great headlines with power words and emotional words and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I was fooling around and I, I came on the word audacious and I read, I read everything I could about it. I goes, you know, that's me. Yeah. If I, if ever there were a word that, that 
that tells me my story as audacious. So I said, I'm going to use it. So that led to a whole lot of other stuff. So I ended up with audacious, unheard of ways. I took a startup to a billion capitalized in sales. So that was it. And so, yeah, it's in the pipeline. It's coming out. I'm having such a good time. I'm doing podcasts. I'm talking to people like you about this stuff. And they're all nodding. And I'm thinking, Jesus, this is awesome. And uh, yeah, so uh, it's lots of fun. And I, I don't have to go into the office. I can just do it. And and I can look at this every day and write on it. And I go to my Instagram posts and I can pull stuff out of my book and people like the, the expressions. And it's just really, uh, really, um, yeah, it's good. Uh, I'm really it's having so, fun. So true. And when you're having fun in business, it doesn't feel like working. And I'll tell you when I was in my last career, it's not that it's a bad place to work. It wasn't a bad place to work. My husband loves it. He goes, honey, I'm obsessed with dirt. I just like making things flat. And I'm like, all the power to ya. I fucking hated it. Like I could not stay awake for the life of me. Do not put me behind the wheel at three o'clock in the morning. It is a terrible idea. I will kill somebody. And like, not intentionally. And I couldn't handle it. Like I just was at a point in my life where I was like, why am I doing this? For the money because people tell you go to school get good grades right go get this job work till you're 65 retire comfortably the hell does that mean <laughs> you know what i mean i'm oh, sitting here going i hate it when people tell me that they want to be comfortable i'm like what does well, comfortable mean yeah and and i would say that comfort is a source it's it's a source of crowd behavior yep comfort is a source of, of blending in you want to be on, if you, if you really want to be different, if you want to be different journey, and that's what I'm trying to convince people that come on with on this thing with me. Right. But one of the things you have to do is you have to be uncomfortable. Yes. You have to hang out with, with, I call them weirdos. Okay. I mean, Steve Jobs nailed it. He nailed it with, with here's to the crazy ones. Yeah. I read that. I read that every two or three days. And I got to tell you, I get goosebumps every time I read it. Because he absolutely nailed it. I mean, you can argue, okay, with these people all you want, but they will never go away. And they are the source of change. Okay, not being comfortable, right? Not following the rules, right? Not, not coloring inside the lines, not listening to your, your education and following the, the algorithms that right. you were taught at school. I mean, my background is mathematics. Really? I've never solved any problem using differential equations. Right. Ever. And, yeah. and as a matter of fact, I don't get invited to talk to MBAs anymore because I basically tell them that their case studies are <laughs> bullshit. They don't work in the real world. And I can tell you why, because I've done it. See, they can't argue with me, but they cannot. They always have the option of not inviting me back. Right. Well, the thing that I see the most with new business owners in particular, and that's primarily my audience is going to be um, either entrepreneurs, so people working in a company that are trying to succeed, right? Like, like myself, right? I'm an entrepreneur. I don't own the business, but I have ownership in the business, which is great. Um, but it's like collaborative minds and people getting together. But what we're taught is to go with the flow and like, don't step out of your your lane. And like, you have to be in a niche market and stuff like this. Well, yeah, that stuff's great. But if you don't know what your vision is for your company and you don't know what your core values are and stuff like that, then how are you supposed to, you know, achieve what you're supposed to achieve? And I love that people see me as different. And I love that not, not everyone loves me. And I'm like, okay, well, I love everyone, right? I don't care if they don't like me. I'm still going to put out good content. I'm still going to try and do everything that I can to help the world head in the direction that I would like it to go because right now we are in trouble and it is scary out there. And I think that it takes more of us banding together going, Hey guys, let's build businesses that are actually going to help people that are actually focused on doing good things and helping each other. Right. And building strong relationships like we were talking about earlier and just being our best self because people are going to follow you for being you. I think that's so yeah. important to remember. Yeah, I, I, I overlay another, another thing on that whole conversation. And it's, it's interesting. I had, a, I had a, a telephone call yesterday with my very good friend, Frank Palmer in Vancouver. And Frank is a, 
world-renowned advertising guy. He's just like, it's just this incredible, insane dude. So he called me yesterday and he says, Roy, he says, I'm writing a, he writes articles because he's, he's bought and sold advertising companies. So he's very successful, but he's, 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 you know, at a, at a, at a very mature age, he's very, he's an entrepreneur at heart. And that's what he talks about all the time. So he says, he says, I think, he says, I think I now I really discovered the most important concept in business. And I go, Oh, you're calling me to tell me that that's good. And I said, what is it? He says, it's your only statement. Now the only statement is something that I had to create as a, as a value proposition that, that differentiated ourselves from everybody around us. And it's called the only statement because it's binary. It goes like this. We are the only ones that I've, it's, it's heavily referred to and talked about in my book. And I, I, I show how to actually go about doing it. And that's where I come up with, you know, forget about the best and all this claptrap statements you know, that mean nothing. You need to be the only ones that you do. Now you will, you will probably not remember the Grateful Dead because you're too young. Right? Oh, I know the Grateful Dead. Okay, so the Grateful Dead, greatest, you know, most successful touring band in history, by the way, wasn't any, wasn't any of the British bands or any, not, it was the Grateful Dead. So their leader, guy by the name of Jerry Garcia, brilliant business person. By the way, if you want to read a cool book, it's called The Marketing Lessons from the Grateful Dead. That's <laughs> really good. Garcia says, you don't want merely to be the best of the best. You want to be the only ones who do what you do. Yes. Right? The only ones. So Frank says, that's it. That's, a, that's absolutely it, it, it. So, and he says, we always have to be in a state of flux. We need to change. And I said, okay, we need to relate the two, okay? Change for change's sake isn't a good solution. Changing to get better at being the only one that does what you do, that's, that's the path you need to be on. That's my strategic thinking, you see, because when you relate that behavior to the end goal of being different, that can translate into you're gonna win, mm -hmm. right? Because nobody will notice everybody around you, right? They won't. And there's no sense being a genius if the only person that knows it is your mom, okay? Seriously. <laughs> It's so true. So true. You got to put yourself out there and like not be afraid to stand up and be laughed at. Like my, my own sister has disowned me because of my medical beliefs. And I'm like, whatever, I still love you. You know what I mean? Like you can go do yeah. you, but it's just like when you stand up for who you are, there are going to be people that are haters or trolls or whatever you want to call them. Um, there's going to be people out there that think you're crazy, but guess what? Give them five years, give them 10 years, you know, like let them watch you go for it and chase your dreams and actually achieve happiness and success. And then they're going to come back and be like, I believed in you the whole time, yeah. you know, like that's just mm -hmm. how it goes. So don't get discouraged. Don't, don't get frustrated, get excited and get passionate about what you're doing because it is the only statement. I am the only one who blank, right? That's it. And, and to everybody out there, you never, ever, ever, ever want to judge your worth, right, relative to, to, to others in terms of the way you feel. I agree. Okay. Pursue uniqueness, pursue being different in a way that's kind and compelling and relevant to the people you serve, because that's the mm -hmm. other thing, right? If, if you're not, if you're different, if you're different in terms of something that doesn't matter to somebody that you care about, that's a problem right? You want to be different relative to what people uh, desire in a business sense, what they crave. See, I, the marketing thing is all screwed up, by the way. They, uh -huh. People keep talking about, well, let's figure out what, what people need. And I say, no, no, because people already have their needs satisfied. And if you want to pursue that, then you're going to be a commodity business where the only thing that matters is price. And that's a horrible place to be. What you need to do is you need to figure out what people crave, what they lust for, what they desire yeah that's where you and why is that not because it's a cool idea elena it's no. because it's premium priced if you can figure it out and guess what it does it increases your performance and your bottom line that's the end result this is not altruism for the sake of altruism right this is this is a means to an end i gotta say that again i want people who are listening to this to get this this is about serving a greater purpose and that's a means to an end. What I've discovered, that whole be different thing, 
the whole own and only is a way to express be different, right? It's the way to, it's one of the how to's. Mm -hmm. Like I loved re reading a bit about your, the, your podcast description, right? Which is all about, let's figure out how to's, how to's. My whole life is about how to's. Well, That's what it is. How I'm going to show you a meme. And if, if anyone's just listening on the, uh, the audio, you got to go to the video and check this out. Cause this was one of the funniest things I've ever received, but it says, just remember the media is only showing you part of the actual story. And it has a picture of like boobs, but it's actually a guy's butt. And it's so funny because it's true. And we're only seeing certain aspects of these, these businesses and these companies. But when you actually dig into what the true story is, you go, oh, huh, that's not what I expected, right? So in situations like this where we're just trying to put good content out and like change the world for the better and boom, boom, boom. Well, okay, you never cool. know who's behind the scenes trying to destroy your dreams, right? Yeah. You never know. Well, and there always is somebody. Okay. Always. So you just got to accept it. But, but so the other thing I'm just picking up on, on what you say, like, I'm not really a big fan of trying to change the world, to be honest, Okay. because I don't know how, unless I can figure out, right specifically how i'm going to do it i don't want to talk about it because right. it becomes an ideal it becomes an aspiration and unfortunately aspirations don't feed action most of the time and the reason for that is they're foggy they're vague i don't mean i, I, I i'm not suggesting that that we shouldn't figure it out but i'm saying don't stop there right what you need to do is you need a filtering lens if that's if that's your goal then my question to you is going to be, tell me three things that you're going to do specifically to achieve it and tell me why I should listen to you. And what I'm really saying to that is, how are you unique? How are you special? How are you different from it? What's your only, right? right? So you come at it that way. I would have a little, I would, I would play a game with myself. Every time I was given something to do, I would always sit back and say, okay, how can I do this differently? Very first question. Very first question, how can I do this differently from everybody else? That was easy. You know why? Because everybody else was doing what the textbook said. Everybody else was taking the easy way. Everybody else was taking a common path. And I would always say, okay, if, if, if I'm right, if that's what they're going to do, I'm going to deviate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of morph out of that. And I'm going to run, right, break away to that, to that momentum. And my hope is if I do a good enough job at that, again, it's got to be all relevant to what the organization's needs are, et cetera, et cetera. It's not self-serving. It's not ego. It's driven by what, what others want. If I'm good enough at that, maybe they'll notice me. Right. And maybe I'll get somebody's attention, right? And, and I'll have an opportunity to tell my story, which is, by the way, all about, I found a different way to get to where we need to get to. Uh -huh. It's got nothing to do with altruism at all, Right. So That's I want to translate that shit. It's in a way, in a way, it's like, I don't care about New Year's resolutions. Right. Because they're all bullshit anyway. Yeah. People fail because, in a week. Well, that's why they die after 30 days. Yeah. Because people don't, and the reason they don't take them seriously, okay, is that they don't really believe them, right? And even if they did, they don't have a plan to get there. Right. They don't have a plan to get there, which can be changed, but at least it's an outcome in mind. Mm -hmm. And so- being outcome oriented is exceedingly important. Exceedingly important. I agree. Hey, I have a random side note question. Do you have a specific daily routine that you follow that helps you get to mind clarity and like, boom, this is where I'm focused. This is where I'm going. Is there well, specific probably, things that you do daily? Well, I probably spend too much time on my, my device, to be honest, because I, I use mobile devices as that's my, those are my work tools. I, this is unusual for me to be actually sitting in front of a, a computer because it, I just it, it, I just don't do it. So I, I get up early um, and I use probably the first two to three hours um, uh, working on content every day. Um, and the result of that is, is that I, I discover new stuff about my stuff. Yeah. Just by, just by keep continuing to work it, work and work it. And I'm a great applications person. Like I, I, I think about how, 
how the concepts can be applied to other things. And, and so I'll do things like uh, try and be a, a be different grandfather to my four grandkids. And I figured out how to do that. I, they, I'm edgy. I get hell from their parents every once in a while from, for that, et cetera. But they know who Papa is and they love that, right? And they would do anything for Papa, right? So that's that, that thing. So I tend to find, try and find ways of, of applying what, what I believe in uh, to other things. And also helping um, people who today are in business or who run associations and stuff like that, who are struggling to do it, you know, trying to give back. So, but um, there's a little bit of commonality at the beginning of the day. And then after that, who knows, you know, it just kind of is, becomes what it, what it's, what it becomes. Yeah. I believe that having a strong morning and like you said, getting up early, I think that that's one of the biggest success tips that I've heard from almost every single person that I know that is successful is the fact that they get up early and they start their day out doing something intentional, right? Like for myself, I read is the first thing I do, because if I don't read first thing in the morning, my day gets away from me. So I always try and focus my morning on my personal development. And like you said, developing content and being creative because that's when you have the most energy, right? Is when you're rested and you're feeling good and you had time to sleep on it. Um, so I think that that's really incredible. So what would you tell the entrepreneur who is going out going, okay, I'm doing everything I can to be different and I'm still not making it. What, what tips could you give them potentially that, uh, might help them go back to score one, because if you truly are different and you're not being successful, you're probably lying to yourself because you think you're different. The reality is, you, you, if you truly are different in a meaningful, compelling way to your target group, I guarantee you will be successful. Okay, you just have to be because people are gra- people gravitate to differences, you know. And and I find that that uh, young young entrepreneurs are captivated by technology. They're captivated with what technology can do, and they don't spend literally any time on the first question, which is how is your idea different from every other idea out there? Right. Let's be honest and, and, and go through the process of, you know, do you have an only statement? I mean, this applies to, to one person's solopreneurial kinds of functions. It really does. Uh, and go through that. And I would always say, if you can't write, write an only statement that expresses your uniqueness, take a time out. Go take a deep breath and come back and have another go at this work because mm-hmm. all you're going to be doing is burning money. That's all you're going to be doing is, is burning it uh, because eventually it, your ideal will flame out just because of the fact that it's not different. Right. Like I, you don't have to be better than the other guy, but you have to be different. Yeah, That's I key. believe adding um, value is another huge key. Like when you're, when you're being different, you are adding value because you're doing something that no one else is doing, right? So maybe you're giving them a thought or an idea or something that's going to help them get to the next place in their business or in their life, for example. And I think that when you step out of your comfort zone and go, okay, I know that everything that I learn is going to be out of my comfort zone and I'm going to have to go through the shit and, you know, continue to progress and continue to go where I don't necessarily want to go, but it's going to make me stronger. It's going to make me more unique because I'm truly understanding who I am at my core and then helping other people achieve that themselves as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I just, you know, breaking it down is pretty simple in terms of what you have to do. Okay. That's what you really wanted. That thing, what you want to do is sell it, right? Yeah. No, that's not what you want to do with it. What you want to do is you want to make that thing and the benefits that it creates unique relative to everybody else. That's what you want to do. I don't give a shit how many megabits or blah, 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 but it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter because that's not what people are buying. They aren't. And so, you know, get trying to get people sort of off the push product mentality, right? Onto the relationship value creation, yes. unique value creation. People now, buy you. Yeah, exactly. Getting them to that model, um, I think, is key. 
And, and if people uh, could spend more time on that at the front end, they wouldn't become one of the, the 50% of the, of the new ideas that don't make it within 36 months. And that's the harsh reality. Save your money, do it right. Yeah. Well, we're out of time for today. Unfortunately, I could talk your ear off for another two hours, <laughs> but I would love it if people could get access to you more and your website or your book and all that kind of stuff. So where can people find you? BeGearForNerbyDead.com is my website. I blog every week. So every Monday, a new blog comes out. Please subscribe to my blog. And, get, and I just talk about my stuff. Uh, I talk about it in terms of careers, strategy, marketing, sales, service, everything. I've basically led every part of business. So there's not a whole lot of mystery for me in that. But I just try and drill it down. And careers, a lot of stuff on, on careers and, and, and startups, stuff like that. So the blog's there. I have a page on books, so my latest book can be pre-ordered on there, and people can get to see my other six books that are that are there available if they want. So trying to pr provide as much resource around this whole concept of be different or be dead as I can. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If somebody has a question about this stuff and they're they're struggling with something, email me on Gmail, roy.osing at gmail.com. I'd be happy to have a conversation with somebody who's who's interested enough to send me an email and say, hey, I need some help. I'd be okay. delighted to jump in and help. Beautiful, thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. And I think that that's what makes you different is you're willing to actually help everybody, right? And you're willing to go out and give your information and your wisdom to everybody. So thank you again for being on the show. I know that I literally took a whole page of notes because I'm like drawing off the page and realize that I'm <laughs> actually not writing properly, but yeah, man, thank you again for everything that you've done. And I love what your mission is. So I look forward to keeping in contact and reading your book and all that good stuff. But for today, awesome. um, that's it for the show. So make sure that you share it, make sure that you uh, send it to someone who needs to hear Roy's story. And that's it. That's it. Signing out. Pursuit of Relentless Podcast.